Hi, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk Activism, a Unite2030 podcast. This week is the third week of the campaign with the theme of uh, fair economies. Today, we will be focusing on SDG 11, uh, mostly, which is sustainable cities and communities. This is Vicky, and together with Ellie, we are the co-hosts of this podcast. Today, we have Ajraj joining us, who knows a lot about this subject. So, Ajraj, could you tell us about yourself? Yeah. Hello, everyone. I am Adhiraj Biglani. I am an entrepreneur from India, and I am right now working in my father's firm, uh, and I've opened up a new vertical of architecture and interior and construction. So what we do is we offer turnkey solutions to the clients, um, and the projects can vary um, up to from residential to commercial to hospitality, anything. And uh, what our design thinking of the firm and mine is that we try and do it um, as sustainable as possible and along the lines of SDG 11, which is sustainable cities and communities. And yeah, we try to have uh, uh, the maximum amount of, uh, uh, you can say the carbon footprint possible that we can. Um, we try and reduce it as much as we can. And that's what my main focus and goal is. All right. Wow. That's very interesting. So have you always wanted to be an architect? Or was there something that sort of sprouted that interest for you? Uh, well, uh, that's a really uh, tricky story that you guys have asked me. And most <laughs> of you uh, listening to it will also laugh at me because I always had like these two parallel things which I wanted to do. I, want to, I wanted to make houses in different parts of the world uh, by being a pilot and traveling that plane. Okay. Uh, so, so, that, so I had like two professions in my mind after my high school. Uh, one was being a commercial pilot and the other one was being an architect. Uh, so due to some medical reasons, I could not be a pilot and then I applied for my architecture. So yeah, since childhood, you can say I have been building those Lego blocks that we all do. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I also remember doing that all the time. <laughs> um, also, we have a question like you, you told me yesterday about the presentations that you've been doing lately. Could you maybe tell a yes. little bit about that? Uh, so um, apart from having my own work, what I tend to do is I'm associated with my alma mater and I go over there frequently um, as in every week I have a class with the students the first year students who are enrolled over there. Um, so what I tend to do over there is along with uh, two other professors who come is to tell the students who have just been enrolled into architecture of how important the profession is, how important we are as people and how we are the future key change makers of the whole world. Because it, it's ultimately up to, you can say all the infrastructure that we have, that we move in and around every day. So the everyday life of yours is dependent upon the infrastructure and uh, you can say the place that you are living in, houses, roads, um, commercial activities, offices, uh, restaurants, everything. All of these spaces have been made by architects and urban planners and designers. So we have actually a lot of burden on our shoulders to make all of these communities and whatever structures that we are developing and cities that we are developing sustainable so that our daily lives revolve around sustainable uh, sustainable infrastructure 
uh that, that's what we tend to explain them and i take up design classes uh with these first year students uh so 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 that's what we do and our college focus my alma mater focus is also on uh sustainability uh that's a key focus right now in the architecture industry and that's what we are teaching the young people the young students the budding architects uh because they are the future key change makers and we have to tell them that it is a it is actually imperative for them to think about sustainability to think on these lines uh so yeah actually activity due to these covid times we could not do uh, we could not hold many workshops uh because what we tend to do in india is uh, in my college we tend to get associated with the other asian countries because all the asian countries you can say malaysia indonesia vietnam india uh, bangladesh these are all developing countries and uh, that's what our focus is and we tend to connect with other colleges of those countries and we hold workshops so uh, uh, during this covid time united nations 75 dialogues uh, was the um, was the recent presentation that we did on reevaluating the sustainable development goals especially the how we look at sdg 11 uh, in that many professors across uh, different countries um, and you can say architects urban planners designers people from united nations they gathered for this talk i was among one of the panelists as well and we talked about how to what are the things that we can reevaluate and rethink uh, seeing this covid um in the sdgs so yeah that that was one of the recent things that we did for the young uh, students and the architects wow that's super cool so what do you think like what what's your vision what's your goal for like 5 years from now you know so like obviously that's far and like you're working towards something but like what is that sort of driving force that's bringing you forward and constantly so 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 that's that's actually a very very um, you can say broad question that you have asked me mm-hmm. um what i can say is i can narrow it down to what my vision is um for the students as well as for my firm and whosoever would be um, later on joining my firm so so there are like four key elements that i tend to associate with in you can say from a micro project to a uh, large scale project to a city level so so these four things are basically inclusivity resiliency urban safety and sustainability so inclusivity what what do i mean by inclusivity inclusivity basically focuses on the problem of inequality that tends to be associated with our urban economic systems and infrastructure to varying degrees so you can see uh, the difference between the poor and the rich in the infrastructure you can see all of these places like sao paulo uh, mumbai um, and many other uh, cities in the developing countries that there there is so much variation between uh, where the lower income people are living and where the high income people are living uh, so 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 that's what the, the, you can see slums and uh, instantly you can see a high residential building high rise building so why is this difference why, why couldn't we create uh communities where all of these people they tend to live um in such a way that uh cohesively and very seamlessly these things merge uh, the infrastructure merges together so 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 that's where the urban planners come in uh that's why inclusivity is very important 
secondly secondly is the urban safety uh, so urban safety can be correlated with the poverty rates or inequality uh, it's basically higher the instances of poverty the less safe the area tends to be why don't people in us in canada they walk in the alleys the the, the small alleys that uh, uh, the cities has because most of these alleys are um, uh are basically the, the influx of very uh poor people are there and when a rich person or a person like us uh we go to all of these alleys we tend to get scared why because there's lot of inequality people they when they see us um we have like good clothes we have like money and we tend to think that this is a area where we will get robbed why have we created these dark alleys so 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 that's what urban safety is very important uh thirdly resiliency resiliency is basically um it refers to the ability of crowded urban spaces to plan for and respond to things like large scale disasters so this is one thing that is very very relevant and resiliency is something uh that should be associated with any building you can say any urban space you can say and lastly sustainability sustainability is just uh, it refers to good resource management and urges one to focus on renewable resources so so these are the four points that i am broadly classifying everything into oh okay i um i just want to go back to the the urban safety with uh the dark alleys i was wondering like yes. how would you increase that urban safety like would you add a lot of light there or like a certain type of light like a different kind of shade because i've heard that um on a on a on an environmental standpoint sometimes the 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 shade of light has a different <coughs> impact a different impact on the the greenery like a, like a green light or blue lights or um what do you think about that so so it's i i would say why all of these alleys and these slums these slums tend to mushroom up in the good part of the cities is um, especially in the developing cities is uh, we as people we require staff for the help for everyday cleaning of the houses and all of these things uh, you have drivers you have staff people who clean your houses you have maids or, or you you have people who tend to cook in your house so these people they are very lower income people they don't have the salaries that we guys have so what the issue is the, the cities how they are not made in such a way where they have housing for these poor people as well near to the uh, uh, you can say the high income group people where they have their houses where they are, they have their residences and as the population is growing uh, the thing is that it's a fact that you can search online also like 56% per- per- of world's population they tend to live in cities and how much area does the city occupy it's just 2% of the land surface area of earth so in that near 2% the land is very expensive and wherever these poor people they tend to find an open space they just put their sheds they or they just live in all of these dark alleys so 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 that's that's what these things uh, that, that's what these numbers tell us 33% of city dwellers they live in slums why is that because the issue is we don't have that much of space and how we can change all of these things is through uh, city planning is through architecture 
that's what i can say okay okay interesting um so like do you have a specific sort of um definition or what do you what do you see what do you think of as a sustainable city what's your go-to kind of example and that being said like do you think the country you live in impacts your views on what a sustainable city or community is has it sort of um changed your perspective in any way um absolutely uh, i think so today's cities and how we so let me give you an example um you can say there are some people who come which have very strange ideas in their own mind um i'll take you just imagine you are in a village okay and in that village one person pops up very different um in a people or in a village of uh, you can say 250 people one person pops up who is of different color who is of different mindset right and people see him as an um as a outsider as a person with very different thinking and they tend don't tend to get associated with him but in just 5 years down the line you can see there are seven to eight people who have popped up who are of different mind a different thinking and another year goes by these seven to eight people they tend to meet each other and when they tend to meet each other something really historic happens so the first time these two different people who have very different kind of ideologies they meet up and what do they have what what are they are they einsteins you can say or are they uh, a very intelligent people or they are dumb people no one knows because each and every person has a different thinking and slowly slowly down the line you see a community of these uh, uh people they have built up and what they are doing is they are absolutely changing the mindsets of everyone so how are they changing the mindsets of everyone is they are telling people a man is a man's best friend and whenever you see in a city there is interaction going on you tend to go over there why is that because the thing is that we as human beings we have this kind of feeling that we tend to stay together most of us and whenever we see that kind of positive energy or vibes we want to go over there that's why the festivals when you see in india you see in us uh, you have halloween or something most of the people tend to go over there and they tend to celebrate it because the thing is that people and pe- man is man's best friend and whenever you are seeing the kind of interaction that is happening you tend to go over there so 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 what i am saying is we need all of these change makers to be in the system and change the system and ha- and we as youngsters through globalization through you can say the internet influx uh, and how rapidly during these covid times um, the data we have become very data centric and the world has become really small right now we are also connected we are from three different mm-hmm. countries at the moment and we are talking about uh, a, a very very important and a global issue so so these are the things which actually matter a lot and and i really stress upon the youngsters to come up and think about these issues and that's when we can actually change something so what you're trying to say is that um except uh, other than your country more of the community that was around you has uh which you have also formed has shaped your 
thinking and, and, and your view. Um, has this also maybe changed since you've joined Unite 23? Because a lot of people from different countries have joined and with the, um, the summit as well, different types of uh, perspectives have come along. Uh, have you noticed any change in your perspective during that time? Um, I think so, because how I just took you through a journey with all of these people are coming and meeting up and then mm. uh, arousing these ideas or thinking about these new ideas. So Unite 2030 is just that community getting 75 people across globally who think on the same lines, who think on the same tandem, same tangent about changing something and aligning themselves to the sustainable development goals and thinking sustainably. So, so, so that's what uh, the whole world's need the whole world needs right now we as youngsters all these 75 people we as youngsters most of us are entrepreneurs we are not job seekers we are job creators and we working together along each other and the kind of collaboration that we have is utmost important at this moment because collaboration is something uh, which really helps you a lot when you have seven to eight people of different thinking thinking on that same thing uh, you tend to get ideas which you have never thought of and when you tend to associate with these ideas of the thought that you were initially going to build that one seed it actually changes a lot uh, it changes your thinking a lot and how other people are also thinking you get inspired by them and you tend to work on those similar lines after that. And I really think so. It's a great initiative. On a slightly different note, um, it's amazing how passionate you are about the work that you're doing. But is there a specific project that you know was your favorite? Is there just one that you were so incredibly passionate about and that you would like to share with us? Um. I would love to share that project with you and I would love to share some images of that project, but I don't think so we can do that right now, but I can tell you about that project. Uh, so, so, so this is a project that I was working, uh, as you know, India is like very rich in culture and heritage. Uh, so there is a fort in India, in the state of Rajasthan, in the city of Jaipur called, uh, Mehrangarh fort. And, uh, this fort is basically, I don't know how, thousands of years old and the construction, the built quality still survives. The, wow. it is that the fort is that resilient that nothing has broken over there. Uh, so the, the project that we got was to make a visitor center over there and, uh, and a knowledge center. So visitor center is something uh, that fort has a pilgrimage of about, um, I think so 10 lakh people, they come over there every year there is a festival so about 10 to 15 lakh people they come over there uh, and to handle them we needed a visitor center uh, for the foreigners for the indians who are visiting over there um, and the only thing which uh, the people of the fort the, basically the trust they wanted was to have uh, the minimum the lowest carbon footprint impact on that place so we took a very different approach in terms of uh, the kind of new technologies that we have and the kind of, uh, uh, you can say, softwares now we have and uh, how our education has been molded is you just have to think on 
the new technology, the new things. But what we did was we took a different approach. We, we combined the old approach and the new approach and we combined it together. And what we did was we created a module, a system in which you can actually um, change that built structure. Imagine a house where you can just add one block every year if that thing increases. If, if people are coming in huge numbers, you can just add that one block or else you can take out that block. It's just a puzzle. So that, that's how we did. We created a module and we told them that this is a module that you can repeat and uh, this will have the, uh, the lowest carbon footprint because it is all dry construction. So no concrete, nothing will come on the, in the site. So no wet work would happen. Uh, it's a totally modular system in which uh, you can say there are only three things involved. One is steel, second is stone, and third is basically the labor who will be working. And the labor would be very localized labor of that, say, that site only. So under 50 meters, we can find labor and that labor and material can come over there. So there's no transportation, which was, uh, uh, which was involved because the material was coming locally. There were local handicrafts people, craftsperson, artisans, and we actually gave them a free hand in terms of designing because these local people, they are generations old local people. They are like thousands of years old generations who have been carving stones. And we told them to just make some samples for us. We wanted to give them a voice at a global level. And that, that's how we did this project. And this is a project like it's very close to me because um, uh, it, uh, I won this project. It was basically an international project along with my firm, which I was in. And many international people as well as national people took part. But the simplicity of the concept and the idea that we had of these three things, localized labor, localized material, and reducing the impact of carbon footprint at all and getting no wet work done in the site. That's how we won the project by combining the old methods and the new methods. So during the olden era in, um, in India, uh, these craft, we, there was no such thing as an architect at that point of time. There were so many buildings built by these local artisan people only. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to give them a voice and that's how we did. And this is a project that you can say, um, it, it's, it's a not, it's, it's really not a very big project. It was a small project, but we tend to have this concept, which was very new. And, uh, this is like super, super close to my heart. It's really amazing. I think it's a very nice thing that, uh, the people <laughs> who have been working with those techniques for so long are getting the recognition and getting the, the global recognition with it as well. I think this is a really, really great project. And I just wanted to ask about the, the new and the old approach, because that's I, I have no background in this. So I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Is it like uh, the new approach? Is that more focused on using cement and then the old one not? Or what is the idea with that? No, no, no. The, what the new approach I meant to say is modularity. Oh, so okay. you are seeing modularity uh, is something which is actually a thing for the future you there was a news uh, which um, came up like recently in like three four months that china made a hospital in 21 days or something uh, i i don't have my facts right you can check that up 
but how did they make that everything was modular in india in india there was um, because our population is like huge and um, uh, there was uh, there was a scarcity of beds in some of the hospitals so one of my uh, designer friends uh, uh, whom i know he designed a modular bed made out of cardboard and you could have you can set that bed in just 2 minutes and that was a huge thing in india it's again modular and it costed very low less than you can say 3 dollars uh, that was the cost price of that bed imagine and uh, this modularity system is the future i think and uh, uh, this is booming in the market because you take very less time it is factory made so the precision is absolute to the maximum and uh, you don't have anything on site you don't have any kind of pollution which is uh, there on site so everything is happening in the factories which is very sustainable and using metal is some, metal is a material which can be recycled right so that is the new approach the old approach was to get these labor to get these artisans in and how to combine the new approach with these old people with these artisans with the stone so stone is a heritage old material in india and all the buildings before that were made out of stone and not cement and concrete mm, yes. so so that was the old approach of using what we called it uh, what we call it as a tukdi slab so all the slabs uh, right now they are made in concrete but what we did was we replaced that concrete slab and uh, did a stone slab instead stone and a metal slab so that was the old method combined with the new method Mm. So um, like not only like environmentally but it will also probably decrease uh, the need for living space I would think right because like this uh this is not a habitable structure that we built it's a visitor center oh, so it's a very okay. commercial aspect okay. to it it has a very commercial aspect to it so because it's so that's very what, new still right yes absolutely ah, and that's okay. what we propose them that if at all you have lot of people who are coming in then that module can be added and it can be added very quickly it can be set up in 10 days as and when required so 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 that's what this was a very new project for me as well mm-hmm. and uh, this combined the uh, the the heritage architecture of india and the new age modernization and the globalization uh, that is happening in terms of modularity so uh, the marriage between these two was really great and um uh, yeah so that's one that's great yeah that's fascinating so moving on from that but how do you envision a green building to look like like um you know are you adding solar panels and stuff like that like do you have a um for lack of better words you picture like a model in your head or a specific so- so there's no model in my head specifically uh because before i don't know i i don't know the people of the western world if they are associated with this or not thousands of years old structures in india they are all sustainable and we never knew what that word was also mm. people never knew what sustainable was i can just give you one example Uh, of step wells in india so step wells in india are almost 3000 4000 years old and uh, these were built in rajasthan uh, so rajasthan is a desert place and people over there they always had scarcity of water 
what they did was they it and it's very hot um, during most of the season what people did was they just went into the earth and they dig out the earth they dug out the earth and made like these steps and at the end of these steps there was a well so imagine a building uh, building it vertically instead of just turn that building around and build it within the earth so what that does is the earth gives earth uses uh, the building uses earth the uh, the mud as a heat sink so whenever you are going down whenever you go to a basement you always find it cold right so that's what they did and whenever the rain will come the rain will get accumulated in that well and uh, that those steps uh, the the water will rise so according to the water those steps will get covered by the water and that's what the concept was of having a city uh, instead of having a city above the ground or having a city below the ground and imagine that it was 4000 years ago and it was sustainable then it is sustainable now so so that is one thing and i have some like key points that i would like to highlight of building a resilient city or building a resilient structure you can say mm-hmm. so one is basically dedicate resources for building resilient cities so resources i mean is collaboration one this is not a one person's job as i said how us as um, like 75 people across the whole globe we are collaborating in building an idea what that idea is it that idea needs to be sustainable right so that's what the all the community should do collaboration is very imperative and it is um i think so it's it's very important uh first thing is that then second is establish the challenges faced by that city or the building and leverage its uh strengths and address those its weaknesses so you need to pick up the strengths and you need to pick up the weaknesses and then work on it then um i would say collate and use data analytics to understand human movement consumption and city's health so uh, then next is i would say uh, advanced preparedness for forcible crises and learning from what the last crisis is so how uh, how how south korea learned uh, from the sars virus uh, and they were prepared for this covid one so we have to learn from our uh, crises which happened in in our history and we should be prepared for what will happen in the uh, future uh then obviously planning infrastructure for resiliency is one of the major things and lastly is working with international organization other cities non profit agencies for establishing a list of best practices and peer to peer learning strategies so these are some of the key points that i would like to highlight wow that's all incredible um so i mean it's amazing work you're doing and just thank you so much for coming and meeting with us today and talking about this um vicky do you have anything else to add or um no not particularly actually i think we've gone through all the questions that we wanted to ask and we're very very thankful for the, the way that you you answered and they're very uh um uh very elaborate and this is very interesting because i actually Uh, I'm thinking that I want to ask more questions later if I have more <laughs> time for it but we are out of time for the podcast unfortunately. Um yeah thank you thank you very much for joining us today Ajraj. This was very insightful. And uh Absolutely thank you so much guys for approaching me and uh, hearing my thoughts. Yeah uh, of so course. 
so 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 i would like i would just like to say people will have different views about so many things and this is my personal idea so this is not something which people should take like this these are the thing these are the key points that we have to only focus on there are many other things which i am also not aware of which other people will be aware of and uh, yeah th- th- that's what, that's something that i have to say thank you well thank you yeah. everyone for listening as well this was the podcast for this week uh please stay tuned for the podcast for for next time as well um see you next time bye Thank you so much.